From the brains behind Teal the Show, this is Teal the Podcast, your source for Jaguars news and analysis with NFL insider Mark Brunel and your host, Cole Pepper. We welcome you into Teal the Podcast, getting closer to training camp, and we come to you from Casa de Brunel once again. See? On the back porch, very bueno. Uh... Fans are going. You may or may not be able to hear the ceiling fans. So, a couple dogs might be barking dogs at some in point. The, distance. Uh, the uh, bugs are making their noise. It's a summer day in Jacksonville, uh, and we're recording this before two o'clock. So, hopefully, no rain. Uh, <laughs> it's probably coming. It's probably coming uh, because it is summer in Jacksonville. But Mark, we do have. I mean, we are in the the this is sort of the closing stretch of for the players. The time before it starts to happen, right? Uh, training camp, what is it that at this time of year you would do to prepare yourself, and did that change over your career? It, and what should guys now be thinking about in terms of getting themselves ready for training? You camp? know, that's a great question, Cole. Everyone is different. You know, uh, some guys lean on um, active rest, you know, kind of the calm before the storm, still staying active, staying uh, in shape, doing some sp- football specific activities, but not just going over the top as far as, you know, wearing their bodies out, getting overly tired, putting themselves in a position where they could potentially be hurt. Distance runners call this tapering. Tapering. Right? Yeah. Which is also an excuse to not run as much. I think it's it's smart to stay very active um, and to stay in shape, but do it, you know, do it with some some caution. The last thing you want to do is, is... be doing some agility drills or running routes or, or um, doing different things that could potentially get you fatigued or even hurt before camp. You want to come into camp fresh, but you don't want to take these, this time off and not do anything. You just simply can't. So every athlete has to find that balance between making sure you're ready for camp, but not putting yourself in a position where you're going to go into camp, maybe a little tired or a little banged up. So you're talking about some... Uh you know, some running, some light weights, uh, maybe more reps, lo- lower lower total weight, that sort of thing. Is that what you would t- typically do this time Absolutely. Of year? And again, it, it's it, uh, to each his own on that. You know, off- obviously offense alignment might approach it a little different mm-hmm. than wide receivers. Offense alignment, uh, listen, it, it, you've, you've, you've got to maintain your strength. And the only way to do that at least is to, is to lift weights mm-hmm. and be active in the weight room. You can't lose that. Um, and you got to be in, you've got to be in shape too, but but because uh, those guys once camp starts, the pads come on. They haven't been on since last, you know, early jan- January, late December. So uh, they're getting ready to take a beating. So they're going to be they're going to be rested coming in. You know, the skill guys. Like if you're a receiver, quarterback, you got to keep throwing. You got to mm-hmm. keep running routes, and you make sure that you don't lose your, their timing. Your timing. I know that. Uh, um, you know, what a lot of guys are doing now is that they're going to the West Coast or Arizona and the quarterbacks are meeting the receivers there, the running backs, and they're doing uh, uh, some on-the-field stuff, throwing the ball, making sure they, they hold on to that timing and the accuracy and trying to build that rapport between receivers and quarterbacks that perhaps haven't been together for a, for a long time. I think that's very important. It doesn't have to be for a month, but at least a, a week or two being together working on the stuff that you worked on during OTAs and building upon that. All right, you, you had a, a great chemistry with Jimmy and Keenan when you played. You guys always seem to be on the same page. 
How did this time of year impact that relationship? This time of year, you know, it, after, after a couple of years of being together, honestly, Cole, we, we, uh, <clears throat> we, didn't, we didn't do what I just talked about. Mm. We didn't get together. We didn't, uh, we didn't throw. We kind of, we had it. You know, it, it didn't need to, uh, uh, we weren't going to lose it. Uh, we knew each other very, very well. Um, we didn't throw this time of year because we knew we'd get plenty of time in camp. Um, but I know Jimmy and, I, and, and, and Keenan and myself, um, we, we worked hard. You know, I, what I, my, specifically what I did is I'd, I'd go out to San Diego. Mm-hmm. I'd spend three weeks out in San Diego and uh, uh, didn't throw the ball. Uh, I just worked on my conditioning, worked on getting healthy, um, making sure my body going into training camp was balanced and functional and just ready to go. So Why San I, Diego? Uh, San Diego was where a specific trainer lived okay. out there. He's still very active. In fact, there's a lot of there were a lot of former NFL players that went out there. We they, we had a pretty intensive camp for for about three or four weeks. John Lynch being one of them, and and uh, a few other guys. Um, very intensive, very rigorous. Uh, it was, but it was great. We spent a lot of time just making sure we were ready for camp. Um, but uh, but no, Jimmy and I and uh, Keenan and I, we didn't throw a whole lot. Maybe a few days before camp, mm-hmm. we knew that because back then there was so much practice time. You were on the field so much. We definitely were gonna, were, we were going to be rested coming in, and knew that in a matter of a couple of days, anything that we that uh, uh, that we didn't accomplish over that five-week period that we were off, we were going to get it back immediately. So that's one of the unintended consequences, maybe, of the new structure with the collective bargaining agreement and how much practice you can have, how much practice in pads, uh, how long the practices can go, is that the work that you were going to get in training camp as a result of that, now you can't get as much of that. So it's more on the players now to, to do their own work apart from the team when they get the opportunity to do that which to me really underscores what a quarterback's leadership can do now, even more so than, than ever before, because of trying to create an environment with the receivers or with the offensive line, whoever it might be you want to work with, to create that environment of, hey, we're going to do the extra work to make sure we're ready to go when, when, when camp gets here. I think this is going to be interesting to see what Nick Foles is able to do on that front uh, here and, and how much – Clearly on the field during the OTAs and minicamp, he looked the most comfortable of anybody in the offense, Right, which he said was his goal. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see how his impact is felt early on in training camp. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I, I'm anxious to, to hear, like you, what Nick's plans are. Because um, I think with the limited time of practice time in the OTAs and the minicamp, there needs to be more time put in. Uh, we had tons of OTAs. We had tons of mini camps. There wasn't any lack of practice. In those practices, you get coached. You get coaching. The coordinators are there. The position coaches are there. So obviously, that's something that can't be done now. But to have a guy like Nick Foles orchestrating this, and, and I don't know what their plans are, where they're getting together, how often, uh, it's imperative that they do. Um, it's not something that can be mandated by a team. But if you're the leader of, of this of the Jacksonville Jaguars, you're the quarterback. You got to make this happen. It was something under these circumstances with the limited time I would have definitely done with, with Jimmy and Keenan, uh, Fred, just getting all the guys together because you need, uh, you need that time with, with, uh, um, with such 
few hours on the field together. When I was with the uh, Jets the last couple years of my career, we'd go out to, to California. We called it Jets West. Mm -hmm. And so Mark Sanchez would bring all the skill guys and uh, the quarterbacks, all the skill guys. We'd, you know, we'd stay at a nice place. We'd work on the field a couple times a day. We'd have fun. We'd spend time together. But, but you know, that was 2010, 2011. Even back then, time was limited. You had to do something like that. And so that will be happening, I'm sure, with the, with the Jaguars. Um, what, would be, what will be interesting is to somehow find out who shows up and who doesn't, you know? Because there are going to be some guys, particularly at that receiver position, you know, that you know, they might show up for a few days and, you know, some guys might be there the whole time. I, I don't know, but it's very telling on, on who's committed, who thinks, uh, who understands how important that time together is. But uh, that's always a question mark, you know. How long are you guys going to be there when they get together? Uh, uh, I don't know if we'll ever find that out, but it would be interesting to know. I do think it's interesting, and this is not exactly along the same lines, but similar. When you hear a player in this day and age say that they don't come to OTAs, Jalen Ramsey, <laughs> because they want to spend more time with their family, jeez. <laughs> oh, I, th I wonder, I mean, there's not really that much of a demand on the time of professional football players now compared to the way it was back in your day. Right. Uh, you can now proceed to give me your opinion on that as you chase kids off your lawn. Uh, <laughs> it was, but it was, uh, you know, well, I want to spend more, more time with my family. Well, okay. And again, we know that Jalen's going to be in great shape. But it's, it's a much different expectation now than I think it was even, you know, 10 or 12 years ago. Yeah, that, that uh, I want to spend more time with my family, that's, that's not going to work. And, <laughs> and, and really, there's nothing, um, for me, there's nothing that works. There is no excuse, there's no argument, there's no reason that justifies not being around in this day and age with your teammates at the OTAs uh, and the mini camps. I mean, the only reason you, a player is going to be at mini camps and not OTAs is because they don't want to get fined, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, it's, it's a significant amount of money. So I, I don't buy it. And a, a lot of people defended Jalen Ramsey. Well, he's good enough. He, yeah, but I, I think if, if you're going off that, you're missing the point. We've talked about it time and time again, Cole. It's a team sport. And it isn't just about Jalen Ramsey. It's about Jalen Ramsey having the opportunity to make these young receivers better. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Is Jalen Ramsey going to get better in the OTAs? Well, maybe. Um, in all likelihood, it's certainly not going to hurt him, but just an opportunity for a player like that to get his teammates around him better, just be in the building, be on the field, be around the guys. I think that's so and so important. And I'll say this too, it was one of the reasons why we had early success in Jacksonville. We were together a lot. We worked together a lot. We worked hard. Now it was Forced upon us, mandated by Tom Coughlin. It, he was firm. He was he was demanding. It was hard. Uh, we complained. We'd rather be other places. We you know the environment wasn't ideal, but we worked together and we did work hard and it made us better early. Shared agony too. Absolutely. I mean, when you when you share agony with other people, it it, it does form those bonds. It I mean, really does, and it did. Have you seen this? Have you seen? The movie Miracle about absolutely. The did oh, did yeah. you have any again? Yeah, right. Did, again, watching that, did you think 
This is just Tom Coughlin on ice. Oh, there's no question. They hated him. What was, what was the coach's name? Uh, uh, we'll get it by the end of the podcast, yeah. I'm sure. Herm. Is it Herm? Sounds right. No, Somebody's we'll, listening we'll right now that yeah, this is already nailed yeah. it. <laughs> so, but I, I, well, as I was watching that, I'm going, well, I mean, I'm sure. Herb. Herb. Herb Brooks. Herb Brooks. There you go. Is it Herb Brooks? Herb Brooks. Nailed it. Yes. Uh, and uh, <laughs> watching that, I was thinking, well, that just looks like, you know, training camp 97. That's. Uh... I will say this. There, there, there was definitely, as, as, as hard as it was, there was a, a, an element of that. It was the team, and then there was Tom, and the coaches kind of caught in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to use this word. Tell me if it's the right word. It, it emboldens you. Mm-hmm. Um, it um, it hardens you. It it, uh, it tests your resolve. It tests your resolve. Yeah. We were we were pissed off. We were frustrated. We were tired. We were beat up, and all of that we were blaming the head coach for. And he would not want it any other way. Uh, that is the way it was going to be in Camp Coughlin. And as miserable as it was back then, I look back and I and I have. I, there's one word, gratitude. Gratitude. You're thankful for that because it, he was building a team, and that was his way to build a team. And Cole, it worked. You can't it worked. Do, you can't do Camp Coughlin anymore because of the CBA. Nope, can't. You can push it to an extent, but only so much. And Doug Marone's personality, while he has a lot of things in common with Coughlin, doesn't treat players the same way as Tom Coughlin did. He can't, Cole. Yeah, I don't think you can in this day and age. He can. So how do you get that in training camp? How do you, because this is, you know, there are a lot of faces that have been on this team for, for several years, many of whom were, were key in the Jaguars' 2017 season and, and the run of the AFC Championship yep. game. But there are a lot of new faces over the last two years uh, alone. And if you start thinking about you're going to have a new starting right tackle, you're going to have definitely a new starting tight end. Right. You're going to have a, you have a new starting quarterback, uh, no certainty on who the wide receivers are going to be. You're going to have a new starting free safety, strong safety, weak and strong side linebackers. That's a great point. There are a lot of new faces that are going to be playing key roles for this team this year. So in some way, as Doug Marone has often said, every year is a new year, and he's got to he's got to do some team building with this team. This is not a maintaining team not after what happened last year they've got a they've got a build it, it you call it rebuilding and it's a it's a four-letter word in the nfl but they've got to rebuild the culture and the team as they go forward how do you do that in the modern era you hope that you have guys like calais campbell and nick Foles that um, take it upon themselves to make sure that guys are working that have the right attitude that have the right perspective and priority because it has to come from within. Um, I think Doug Marone does a very good job of being balanced. Now we get, we, we hear the, the good Doug Marone. Behind closed doors, listen, there's, there's, there's an old school guy in there, mm-hmm. a Coughlin-esque time, uh, type guy that it will absolutely get after this team if necessary. Uh, he's not going to put up with a bunch of crap. I say that because I've seen it. I was with him in New Orleans when he was the offensive coordinator. There's a nasty side to, to Doug Marone that, that we're not privy to. Um, but 
I think with uh, so much turnover, you really have to have a core group of guys that get together and say, listen, this is really about us. This is on us. We haven't been together for a long time, a bunch of new faces, um, and just trying to figure out you know, who those guys are. Uh, it's easy for us to say, but you don't really know. You know, back in the day, you might have you might have looked at the 96 team and said, you know what, well, that guy's your leader. That's the guy that's the outspoken one that everyone listens to. You probably would have been wrong. Mm. You know, you don't know until, unless you're in the building, unless you're on the team. So it has to come from within. And honestly, Cole, in this day and age, you kind of just hope for the best. You just don't know. You really don't know. Yeah. Team chemistry is a delicately balanced thing sometimes, mm-hmm. and it doesn't take much. I was going to try to resist the rabbit hole that you just opened up for me. Oh, there, here we go. About 96. Yeah. And obviously, I've been, I, I, that was my first year covering the team. Uh, came about halfway through the year. Uh, so, I was coming in, not only as a much younger man, much younger, uh, but also coming into a situation where I hadn't been around for the 95 season, the first half of 96. My perception from the outside of that team, by the way, from a leadership standpoint, Baselli was not quite where he would be right. the following year. I yeah, think that, 97. That was a developed leadership, and he was still kind of getting his feet under him a little bit. Uh, my perception was on defense that year, Logman and Clyde Simmons – um, to a certain extent, Brian Schwartz, but Logman and Simmons, I think, were the were the most vocal leaders that I saw. And on offense, you always heard from Wydell, mm-hmm. as you continue to. Yep. Um, you were still developing into mm-hmm. your role. Um, Keenan had a little bit. Keenan would would Jimmy hadn't gotten there yet. Uh, Pete Mitchell a little bit in some ways, uh, and this is just strictly based on interviews. I always really enjoyed talking to Ben Coleman. Yeah, about what was going on. Yeah, he was a, he was a good interview. Um, were there other guys who who really? Truly I will say there? up to the names that you've mentioned so far, you're right and you're wrong. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh huh. <laughs> we'll you are spot on, and then you are way clearly off. Clearly way off. <laughs> okay. Don't leave anybody out who definitely was. Um, I, I think you've got a. Uh, I think Keenan had a had a fire about him yeah. uh, that that guys gravitated to. Um, I'm trying to think. Leon, I leave it. I, he was still. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. Leon. You know, Le- Leon didn't say a whole lot, and there yeah. was a nasty edge. A, there was just a nastiness. There was a. Uh, he just seemed angry all the time, serious, competitive, mm-hmm. and just. Uh, Guys, guys like that because he was a pretty accomplished player before right. we got him. So, as was Cl- Clyde. Mm-hmm. Clyde didn't say anything. Yeah, but it was Clyde. When he did say something, I mean, it was like Clyde just spoke. Yeah. What did he say again? Yeah. <laughs> Whatever he said, just do it. Okay. <laughs> if you can, if you can hear the low yeah, register. Exactly. Yeah. It was Clyde. I mean, you talk about accomplished coming in. Yeah. Uh, and some guys just they don't have to say a word. They just command respect like that. And uh, and, and Clyde was one of those guys. So. Yeah, but, you know, if you look at the group as a whole, you know, some guys have been around for a while, but, you know, most of the guys, at least the, the big contributors, just still trying to figure it out, you was, know? Was, your, was the leadership better, more defined, 
and stronger and rounder with uh, as we get a flyby. Yeah, we have a flyover for the podcast. Yeah, to start the Navy off, boys, but, uh, the Navy flying the. Uh, it's not the P3 anymore. I don't know, P8s, but that's the, that's the first of about 15 that'll fly yeah. over our house. <laughs> uh, but but in 90, let's say in night, training camp 98, after you'd, you'd won the division, been in the playoffs a couple of times, it was much more defined leadership group at that point, was yeah, it Yeah, the players were more defined, who they were. Um, I think it was, those, it was those same guys that were better leaders and just and in, in large part, too, because they were just a lot more confident guys, mm-hmm. yeah. more accomplished guys, uh, a lot more swagger in 90, 98 than we had yeah. in 96 because mm-hmm. we, had, we had done something. We, we walked around knowing that we were, we, you know, for the most part, we were pretty good. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Tony, for sure, I think, by that point, had yeah. definitely established himself oh, yeah. as, yep. uh, as, definitely. As, as a big voice in the locker room. Definitely. That team. All right, a uh, couple of opinions I'm going to throw out. Some of these are mine. Some of these I've, I've heard from others. Okay. I want... Get your feedback on these um, in uh, 30 seconds or so per opinion. Per opinion, uh, Somebody recently ranked the Jaguars' defense number one in the league going into the season. Opinion. The Jaguars' defense is overrated right now. Agree or disagree? I agree. I agree. While I do think it's a top 10 defense, uh, I do not believe it's – I don't believe at this point you could say it's the best defense going in. You had mentioned earlier in the podcast – um, a lot of new faces, a couple of new safeties, some, some questions at linebacker. Um, I feel good about our defensive line, obviously. Um, but I don't think this is a, this is a group we're going to find out about until, you know, week three or week four, just how good they are. Uh, but there's too many, I'm not going to say holes. There's not any holes there. There's guys there to fill those positions. We just don't know how good they're going to be. To Doug Marone's point, it's a new team. Yeah, there's some really good players. I've been on some teams that have had some really good players that just didn't do a whole lot. So it's more than just talent. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, top defense in the NFL coming in? No. Top 10? Yes. A lot of that it's, it uh, waits to be seen. All right. Opinion two. Nick Foles is going to make this offense a top 10 offense by having – competency at that quarterback position. Agree or disagree? I disagree with that. Uh, I, think, uh, I think the Jaguar offense will be in the middle of the pack. I like Nick Foles. I think he has, he's a quarterback that can win you games. I also think that he is a quarterback that is accurate, uh, is going to be smart, he's going to take care of the ball. I also think about Nick Foles that it's going to take more than Nick Foles. He has had some really incredible moments. Um, in large part because he's been surrounded by some really, really good football players. And I'm not so sure that's the case going in right now. This is one where I hope I'm wrong. I hope they're a top 10. I hope they put on a, up a lot of points. I think our defense will be good, and there's going to, but there are going to be moments where it's going to be Nick Foles having to take us down with you know two and a half minutes left. We're down a touchdown. Uh, Nick Foles is certainly capable of doing that. I just don't know if the pieces are in place around him to be at that level. Opinion three. Leonard Fournette is going to have a breakout year for the Jaguars here in as I dance and wait for the flyby to go by. I told you, there's number two. (laughs) Sorry, folks. 
Leonard from just Edison. Casa de Brunel, that's what happens. <laughs> well, you're in the flight pattern. Yeah. Uh, I haven't heard the train yet either. <laughs> Not yet. Uh, breakout year in 2019? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to uh, disagree. I think we've seen the best we'll ever see from Leonard Fournette. Really? I think his rookie year... Um, uh, now listen, he, he was uh, not just for a rookie year, just for, for a season, he was very impressive. I just think that's the best he's going to be. I don't know if Leonard Fournette has figured it out yet. I don't know if there's that maturity. I don't know if there's that work ethic, that attitude that could go on and on. I don't know. Um, again, I hope I'm wrong. Um, but uh, um, no, I, I think, I think uh, Leonard has already played his best football in the NFL. All right, opinion four, final opinion here. Yannick Ngakwe's contract dispute is going to last into the preseason game schedule. I would completely agree with that. Um, this isn't an easy one. Um, Yannick is under contract. That's um, this hard balance between keeping the player happy and giving him his what he's worth, but... It's a business decision where he is under contract. This, this is a hard one for me. I'm, I'm a little too old school where, um, where I would, uh, if I'm the Jaguars, I'm going to take my time. I'm not going to force it just to keep a player happy and a smile on his face and just to keep him showing up. Um, but in this day and age, we kind of talked about practice time. You almost kind of have to or else, and I'm not saying Unique will do this, some players will just flip out and just, you know what? I'm going to quit football. It's happened recently. Very recently. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know what? I'm just going to step away from football. You yeah. just don't want that to happen. Uh, and I'm not saying that, but players make very dramatic decisions these days. And I'm not trying to belittle uh, Telvin's situation. I don't know. Nobody knows. I don't, but... Um, and I just wonder if Unique, if, if not given what he wants, is going to go to an extreme. But at the same time, this, this is a business. Jaguars have to be smart. And uh, this isn't just about Unique and Gakwe. It's about the rest of the team in the future. This has to be very strategic. And I'm not privy to the ins and outs of those. Or, or I'm not, you know, I don't know a lot about the strategy on how, you know, when to, when not to sign a big player. And I just think it's not going to be an easy thing. And I think it's going to last into preseason. You sound like a pessimist today. I do, right? You, I am a little negative, right? I, I just revealed that. That's, huh? I, I didn't. I was not expecting. You know what? I don't know if I'm a pessimist. So much skepticism. I, well, maybe you just got me on my brutally honest day. Maybe this Brunel is how I really am. raw. That's right. Uncut, <laughs> uncensored, unvarnished. Brunel on the back back porch. <laughs> Maybe with the flyover. Just a few weeks, few weeks away from training camp. The <laughs> honest, hard truth. This is how I feel. All the other stuff I've said before. Forget it. Sugarcoated. Forget about it. We cut to the quick here with Brunel. <laughs> exactly. And that's what we got. In fact, I'm done for the year. I'm not doing any more of these podcasts anymore. That's the best you're going to get, Pepper. I'm just kidding. There you go. That's that's what you get here on a on a Monday as we record this one. Uh, you can uh, follow Teal the Podcast on Apple Podcasts. Uh-huh. Subscribe there. Subscribe on Spotify, on Stitcher, and on Google Play. And as always, you can find Heal the Podcast under the Sports tab on newsforjacks.com. Mark, the next time we talk, we will be almost at training camp. Right there. It's close, Cole Pepper. It's getting I'm ready. excited. Here we go. 
Thank you, Mark, and thank you for listening to Teal the Podcast. We'll talk to you next time.